Peace is an art form and a practice that takes receptivity and mindfulness. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuning into its rainmaking time. We are broadcasting this special segment, September 11, 2004, on the World Wide Web. For those of you who are listening, I know that you know that September 11, 2001, was one of the most shocking, devastating times in human history in the United States of America and around the world. And we know that most of us hope for peace. Some of us understand it. Many of us want it on deep levels, and billions of us talk about it. Most of us also know that most elected leaders face a very, very difficult time in that those of them who stand by and allow hundreds and thousands of people to be murdered will be thought of as weak, as inept, and as inappropriate for a leadership position. The forces facing our leaders today are terrible. They're antiquated. They come from an old guard mentality and a misunderstanding of power, what it's about, how it's navigated, and how to use it. Our guest today is a devoted leader a teacher of peace, of what is called the art of living. In my adult life, I have had the privilege of meeting wonderful teachers, but I have never bared witness to the power, the kindness, the gentleness, and the humility of my guest and her associate, Thich Nahan. The woman you're about to meet today is the woman beside Thich Nahan, a spiritual leader, a man of peace, a man who has transmitted the composition of peace, the tools of peace, and the art of living like few can. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome today from Plum Village, De Livol in France, just outside of Bordeaux, Sister True Emptiness, we call her Sister Chang Kong. Good morning and welcome to its rainmaking time. Welcome. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, my name is Chang Kong and I'm, I am very honored to be able to talk to you. I hope that uh, my message can get through. Uh, I know that this morning in New York at 9 a.m., is uh, our time in France is 3 p.m. And uh, we know that uh, three years ago, at that very moment, people suffer a lot. And so our teacher, Tishnatan, and all of us go and burn incense, and we send our loving thought and support to those who pass away that day and to the the relative of for those who passed away that day and we know that and in the offering of incense we address to those who are victims of that day we say that friends you do not you you are no longer there in the form of yourself and people call you by your name but you your spirit is in all of us in the world and we think of you we pray for you we support you and your spirits are 
is still alive in us and we vow to do something wonderful in order such a tragedy will not happen again and when we pray like that but we know that at this very moment people still suffer there is no explosion in New York but there are a lot of suffering in Israel in uh, Iraq in Afghanistan and in many um, parts of the world and we wish that we will be able to offer to you some method in order to be able to face the difficulty with more calm uh, in a dignified way. Uh, Buddhism is uh, not a religion. You can remain Islam, Christian, uh, Jewish, uh, non-believer, but you can make use of a number of methods offered by the Buddha. In fact, the word Buddha means the person who is awakened and see deeply things with compassion and with great understanding. So all of you can become a Buddha and you can practice like that first Buddha and we all here, we try to to practice like him. Among us in Plum Village, they are Christian, they are Jew, they are non-believer and we, we train ourselves and it's work. Uh, you know, two partners, live together, have difficulty, but we live together like 155% in Plum Village, but we are still happy. And we try to face the difficulty between us with with uh, with understanding. And finally, we, we always try to keep harmony without um, being forced to do so. And um, I would like to tell you that what lesson we can learn from September 11, 2001. As a simple person, I I would like to inv in, invite you to practice something like that. You look deeply. United States is considered like a safest country. But even in United States, it's no longer safe. And so, but safety for not to be attacked by terrorism, but there is the uncertainty of safety everywhere. You can hug your uh, son today and say goodbye to him, but when he go out, he have a car accident and he can die. And we would like that uh, to remind people that don't wait until the suicide bomber or a whole up arrive to your beloved one and you say that, I love you, mom, I love you, son. It will be too late. So my suggestion is today, before midnight, each of you try your best to reconcile and to say deeply, lovingly with the person you love, but you have some difficulty. Let's say like uh, you have a son, a teenager son who run away, or your daughter who disobey you and run away, and then you, inside, deep inside you love her or you love him, but you don't want to, to tell him. Don't wait until he is in the hole up. And, and, and you say that, I love you. So please, right away after this session with me, try to call him, try to find her, and say that, I love you, dear. 
I really care for you. It will not be too late if something happened to her. But if nothing happened to her or to him, you will have a wonderful son again, a wonderful daughter again. When she has some difficulty with you, she thought that you hate her. And you have you have been reluctant to tell her, but deep inside I know that you love her or you love him. So try to say it right away after this session. Or with your mother or your father, you are a grown-up person, but your mother keeps correcting you and sometimes you are you are not happy with her or with him. And especially with your father, he looks look a little bit difficult and you don't want to tell him that you love him. You are a man. You cannot say, I love you to another man, even he he's called your father. Please do it. Do it right away. Try to call him and say that, Dad, I care for you. I love you a lot. So even, even you think that it's very difficult, but try it. Visualize that if he is whole, in a hole up, in a, in a, mm. in a, um, supermarket and then then it's too late for you to tell so so please do it right away to your father to your mother and then to your partner and if you've just fell in love or you just married you are very in good term to each other but sometimes we live together for five six seven years and it's become like a routine and we forget to tell him to tell her that how much we care for her, we care for him. Until one day he decides to leave you, she decides to leave you, that you regret. Because the first day we fell in love, we always appreciate and look at the other with admiration. But slowly, slowly it's become like a routine and you only explain your disagreement when he do not do like you wish, she doesn't do like you wish, but when she has done, uh, he has done something wonderful, you forget, you forget to appreciate and deeply appreciate him. So today, try to tell him or to her, enumerate a number of great things she has done, he has done, and you have no chance to speak to him yet. And tell him not only with your word, but with your deep look of appreciation with your whole being and it makes him very happy it makes her very happy and also I would like to uh, invite you to, to, to if you have some you have done something unskillful and you feel bad but you are shy to tell him or you, f you are so proud to tell him don't wait until he, he or she is caught in the hole up and, and say that I love you. No, you have to say it right now. And you, you apologize. You say that, oh, I was so unskillful. I caused so much of, uh, of um, unskillful things and make you suffer. Please, excuse me. I really care for you. And I wish that I will not repeat again all these mistakes. And if you can do like that, sometimes you vaguely know that she's unsatisfied with your behavior or he is unsatisfied with your behavior, but vaguely you don't remember what you have done. 
and you live together under the same roof, but you do not really share to each other the deep sharing like in the first days. So now is the time that you can sit face to him or to her, look deep in her eyes and say that, darling, I really love you, but I know that I am so unskillful and I may hurt you a lot without noticing. Please help me to understand you better. Because, you know, according to the teaching of the Buddha, love must go together with understanding. If you love somebody, you love your son, you love your daughter, but you don't know what is the deep desire in him, the deep aspiration in him or in her, you do not really love your son or your daughter. You do not really love your partner. So you can look deep into his eyes or her eyes and you say that, darling, I really want to understand you in order to to show my full support of your deep aspiration. But I was too busy and we are too busy and we do not have time to really share what is very deep in us. So please tell me what way I can do in order to help you happy, to show my deep understanding to you. And if you can do like that, it will make him surprised and happy and the relationship will be renewed again. And you may have a new partner and she or he may have a new partner. It's so wonderful. This word is you who knew to said in the past, but now you forget. So I see the occasion of the September 11th in order to remind us that everything is uncertain. Everything can happen. A car accident and hold up or anything can happen and you will retreat. So don't wait until things happen like that and you retreat and you cry, oh, I didn't say like that to him, it's too late now, okay? Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuning in to It's Rainmaking Time. This is a webcast of today's segment on practicing peace with Sister Chang Kong out of Dolivol, just outside of Bordeaux, France, at Plum Village. Sister Chang Kong is called Sister True Emptiness, and what a paradox it is how somebody so true and empty can be so full of wisdom and kindness and knowledge and their work is about teaching love and beauty and the art of living mindfulness and peace they have done so beautifully for the last 45 years in 1959 when Thich Nhat Hanh and Sister Chang Kong met a new universe of the potential for peace was born and I want to thank you for being here again and Sister Chang Kong, I was wondering if you could tell the audiences a, a little bit about your humble beginnings in Vietnam, where you actually began yeah. in the villages, so they have a context for you. Yeah. I was born in Vietnam uh, in a middle-class family. I have everything to, to... I have something to eat when I'm hungry. I have uh, schooling. And I attend um, high school and university, and but uh, I deep inside of me, I look deep and I see that there is something unfair, 
because uh, I was born during the war in Vietnam, and my family live in the city. It's quite safe. And around me, bomb, bomb, bombing, guerrilla, killing, and a lot of people die uh, far away. And uh, and I know that uh, far away from my city, there is um, um, silent murder, and and uh, cops of the soldier of both sides are throw away on the river, and and yeah, floating dead co- dead cops like that. So I feel that I must do something. And at a very young age, uh, I think that it's about, yeah, not young, at 16, it's teenager. So I feel that I must do something. And um, uh, I, I, I started to go to the slum area where the children have no school and they cannot uh, go to school. They have nothing to eat and sometimes they go out and try to beg for some uh, money or some food and if they cannot beg they can pickpocket and so I tried to go in this slum area and try to set up a number of work uh, I raised some money to, to, to give a scholarship of uh, food for children I said that you must go to school if I give you 15 I mean 30 pounds of food a month and, and some pocket money to use and then, uh, and then, how I can have this uh, food? So in Vietnam, we eat rice, and before uh, cooking rice, people have uh, um, raw rice. And I come to each house. I said that please consider me like a bird. Uh, after cooking your rice and after eating, there is uh, some few grains of uh, of rice left over on your on your pot, and consider me like your bird. And so you take out one handful of uh, raw rice and put in this packet for me. And and I wish that you can give me one dong. One dong in Vietnam in Vietnam at that moment is like twenty five cents in the United States. And twenty five cents per month. And and they said that oh it's so few. I can give you five dollars. I said that no I want only twenty five cents. But I wish that you can give me 25 cents, but your daughter, 25 cents, your son, 25 cents, your husband, 25 cents, your sister, your domestic, your cook, your, (laughs) I mean, everyone in the family will give me 25 cents. So finally, I also have $5. You're a big fundraiser. (laughs) My God, I'm coming over to France immediately for my 25 cents. And then after that, with this money, I tried to set up small business for people who live in slum area and have no job. So I, I, I pretend to be very the the little niece niece of them, and you know you cannot trick a niece. And I said that I'm not. I have no money. I will borrow money from my from my relative and I try to find a job for you. For instance, uh, you go and sell ice cream. Do you like to go to sell ice cream? And the big man is very lazy and he go and he play card and he may be pocketer or thief, I don't know. But I said, please do some job. And he said, I have no money. And I said, please, I can I can find a way to, to buy for you an ice box and ice cream for you. And he said, okay, give me money. I said, no, I will go with you. 
So I brought him to the market and I bought, bought the big ice box. And then I brought him to a furniture of ice cream. I bought a lot of ice cream stick, ice cream stick. And then I said that you sell the benefit in the evening. I come back to your slum and give me one dong in, in for to pay back your debt. You have a great banking system there. You set up a bank, you set up a venture capital fund, you have a placement agency, job placement, and you're setting up businesses. <laughs> you're yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah, I create a lot of, uh, of, uh, of uh, little job like that, and then I saw that some women have a baby and do not want to work. And I said, that why five of you put five children, five baby in one, one will take care, and four others go to work. And then when you go to work and in the in the evening you go back and you give to the other woman some money. And so I organized like that in in the small poor hut, but they, they transform into a daycare center. And of course I have a chance to bring some milk powder or milk because in Vietnam there's not much cow for, for milking. So I, I give milk powder for them. And also vitamin in powder and a number of things to nourish the children. And I have done quite good job until I met with Tishnathan. And he said that, oh, your work is beautiful, but you are alone. I know many good heart people like you throughout the country. And I can uh, use Buddhist teaching in order to set up the school of youth for social service. And I bring all of you together and we make a kind of social change from the basic teaching of the Buddha. It means uh, help yourself and then don't wait until people come and help you because in each of you there is a reality of understanding and love. In each of you there is God in you and you have all the talents, all the ability if you know how to restore that talent and that ability. And so together with Tishnathan, and a number of friends, we set up the School of Youth for Social Service during the war. We sent hundreds of people to the war zone, like a peace corps, and we try to rescue war victims, we make bandages, we, if it's neat, we bring them crossing the fire zone in a, the hospital in order to be um, healed. And after that, um, in the safe area, we try to set up a reconstruction work, like uh, in the poor village where there is no school. We said, don't wait the government to help you, because the Buddha said that you are the future Buddha. You are on the talent. So let's say, try our own school with your own veranda. And so we set up a school in the veranda of the administration uh, office. And then we bring children together, and then, and then we say that we some volunteer to do that work, and we try to raise some money to pay for the school teacher. So nowadays, 40 years have passed. I am still helping 1,078 school teachers throughout Vietnam now. And this work is not supported by the government of Vietnam. They they know, but we don't need to have a etiquette, a big label that is Plum Village who has done that work. In the remote area where there is no school, our social worker came and we said that, please set up the school by yourself with a very poor, humble hut, and then we pay for school teacher. And so when they saw the farmer have seen 
that the school teacher have done good work, and so they feel inspired by themselves and they build their own school. And so when the school can go on by themselves, and then we left, we leave the area and we start another area. And so our our school teacher is is very in different place and in the most poor area. So I go back to to that uh, work with Tishnatan. And so when you face difficulty and we practice what the Buddha proposed and that's what I want to share to you today. Every of you can do it. When you are stuck by strong emotion like big anger, like strong emotion, how come that people can kill my 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 daughter in such horrible way? How come that he behaved like that, she behaved like that? When you are stuck by strong emotion like that, the Buddha said that at that moment, God is covered up. The reality of God in you is covered up. The Buddha in you is covered up. You cannot be clear mind, and you will act wrongly, and you make many mistakes. You will make many mistakes. At that moment, the Buddha proposed that in order to touch your own Buddha, to touch that source of understanding and love and light, if you are not Buddhist, you can call that God in you. Because, you know, I have to make a parenthesis about that. How come that the Buddhists speak a lot about God? In fact, it's like that. The Buddha, the one who discovered that each human beings can have a reality of understanding, of love, of light in her or in him. But because we do not practice to 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 discover that reality and we are we let anger, fear, worries and many um negative energy cover up. And so we have no chance to be in touch with that reality called Buddha. But in Christianity or in other faith, you feel that when you are at your best, when you are full of light, of peace, of love, of understanding, that God is living in you. That's right. And so that reality is God in you. But in Buddhism, we call the Buddha in us your own Buddha. If your name is Elizabeth, there is a Buddha called Elizabeth. If your name is Jean, there is a Buddha called Jean. And so the practice is how to touch that Buddha in you. Sister Chang And Kong. how to touch this Buddha in you, you have to practice two things that I will repeat later on. Yeah, she would ask me something. Yes, yes. Uh, Sister Chang Kong, many of us around the world are watching television, reading the papers, all different types of papers, and listening to the radio as informed, seemingly informed and well-intentioned citizens. And as we do that, whether it's every day, every other day, or a few times a week, we are bearing witness to the horrors of what's going on in the world from the media's point of view. And therefore, many of us are riled up every day, very upset, watching beheadings, watching killings, listening to different leaders across the world who are taking a stand and, quote, going to go after the evil, quote, people. And it's a runaway effect. It has a life of its own now. And many of us can't help but be drawn in by wanting to retaliate or to have governments retaliate to, quote, stop the horrors and I wanted to ask you a very 
difficult, direct question of what is your recommendation to the United States administration and government on a leadership level in terms of how to guide the American people, no matter whether it's Republican or Democrat, who are looking to their leader to be, quote, strong and to take action in a military way and to kill the people that are seemingly our enemies or who are considered evil. What's your guidance to us? And to what's the guidance to the U.S. government right now? I think that we only need to look deep since the day the President of the United States started the war in Afghanistan and then Iraq and then supporting many violent actors everywhere. So I think that and that is a war against terror. But this war do not lead to, to, to more peace. But this war only lead to more, more, more terror. Have you seen that since he started that war against terror, is peace arrived somewhere? No, I no. haven't. Yeah, and that is, that is time for us to stop and to look deeper in order to be clearer in our mind. And so I think that uh, we said that uh, the, we, we, we fight against terror. But these are innocent Afghans, these innocent Iraq, Iraqi women, children, suddenly saw bomb drop on them. And then they thought, that is terror. And we, we said that we fight against terrorists. But in fact, our son sent to the army and dropped bomb and uh, and and shoot the Afghans, shoot the Iraqis. We are terrorists to them. Have you seen that? And they suffer so much. And they think that, in our point of view, we think that they are terrorists. They are they are potential terrorists. But for them, we are terrorists. And we are evil. We call them evil. We, it means, I mean, the West yes. country who support the United States in the war to Iraq. And we call them evil, but they see our evil. So when soldiers come to Iraq, we say that God bless America for this wonderful work. But the su- suicide bomber, when they hold the bomb, and they kill themselves, they say that Allah is God. It is great. Allah Allah is God. Allah is another term for calling God. God bless America. God is great. The, our Arab friend called God is great. And our American friend called God bless America. So God is where? I think that God is love, is light. God will not bring violence to people like that. And God have a way to transform a, a so-called terrorist into a loving person. Do you that, really think that's possible? Yeah, that is possible. If I tell you my own experience. One day in Vietnam in 1966, I was, I was working in the poor village far away from Saigon, uh, not far, but 20 kilometers, and I go by my motorbike. And so I went there to help poor person to have school, uh, the uh, medical center. 
we were in in peace for one year of work there. I set up the school. I set up the medical center. Suddenly, that morning when I arrived, I saw about I think that is about forty American soldiers. They look like a terrorist. They have guns and they are ready to shoot at me, shoot at every villagers around us. And when they hear the the mobile the the motorbike arrive, oh, they come and 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 with the guns they are about to shoot on me. And so I was I was panicked, of course, like everyone. I'm not an angel. I'm not a bodhisattva, but. The training I learn is when I am panicking, when I am uh, stuck by strong emotion, fear, anger, I go back to my breath. Breathing in, I calm myself. Breathing out, I relax. I calm myself, I relax, and I try not to act, not to speak, not to do anything. Go back to my inner calming, relaxing. So when I go back to myself, my face is calm, peaceful. My my face is not provocative, and so it's difficult for a soldier to shoot on me. You see, my face is worse, very very peaceful. And so after breathing in and out for a while, I'm so peaceful, and I look deep. I am more clear mind. I was more clear mind, and I look at the eyes of the soldier. They look as very very fearful, very fierce. They look very fierce, but full of fear. So suddenly I have a big compassion in them. I feel that, well, they look so young, like my brother. But if my brother is killed, my mother will cry. So if he, something happened to him, his mother will cry in the United States. And so I look at him and I kindly, gently spoke to him. Fortunately, that at that time, my English is still poor, but, but, <laughs> uh, but I can express. I said that, what do you try to find? And the soldier looked at me, very surprised that somebody can speak English. She's more, he's more fearful. But my voice is so soft and nice. So he said, that I try to find communist. And I said, I said that, well, I have been working as a social worker in here for more than one year. I have no, seen no communists. But two, three, two days ago, when I come here, the farmer report to me that there is a troop of guerrilla who come here and who want to burn the house of the chief of the village. But the villagers uh, beg them not to burn because all are in... Uh, in thatch roof, uh, it's very easy to be burned. And if one house is burned, the whole village will be burned. And so the guerrilla agreed not to burn, and so they left. And so he listened to me, and then he called his chief, and many of them come and ask me the same question, and I explain, and they go around and they search to see whether anything they suspect. And after that, because, you know, nearby, there is a bridge who was exploded by mine, by guerrilla. So they think that the whole village is, uh, is uh, communist. And at that moment, if some villagers, by anger or by forgetfulness, can make a um, big noise, and then the panic 
in these soldiers can transform them into terrorists and they shoot they will shoot the whole village and that was happened during the war in Vietnam many scandals like the, the whole village my lie several hundred people have been um, shot by um, American captain and I think that because he's panic and so violent anger fear can only bring tragedy and so the practice is being peace is so important so i suggest that you you trying to find the book peace is every step where where our master Tish Yat Han, um told people on how to restore your peace when in the most difficult situation it's called so peace is every, every step, step by bantam books yeah, and also creating true peace by Simon and Schussler. I told that very story in that uh, in that book. Creating yeah. true peace by yeah. Simon and Schuster. Yeah. Also, I understand you published Learning True Love. Yeah, it's my autobiography, and I was so so shy to write my autobiography, but because when I tell story like that, friends are so moved, and so they they record, and many little story like I just told you and tends to the practice of peace that I can overcome. And they type uh, several stories and they put into a book and they said that, please, it's your book. And I was so shocked. But finally, I agree. So I entitled the book Learning True Love by Parallax Press in, uh, in Berkeley. California. Please stand by, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuning into this segment of It's Rainmaking Time on September 11, 2004. We are streaming this broadcast on the World Wide Web, and this segment will be available after the show and will be running for the next few months, so you can tune in to Sister Chang Kong, who is the right hand and teacher at Plum Village, who works with people all over the world with her master, Thich Nhat Hanh. And we are talking about what can be done both in the United States and around the world to transform anger and violence, even if it looks like the call is legitimate, into something more loving and humane. However, I have yet another question for you, Sister Chang Kong, and that is that particularly in the United States of America, there is a culture of leadership that expresses itself as strength, that talks and walks a way that has to do with taking a stand, setting precedent, teaching people lessons on a public level, taking a stand against violent acts, and all of this thinking and action is understood as being a key component to strong leadership. And this leadership paradigm, if you will, or this leadership platform of thinking and action has its way, from my point of view and experience, in most of the structures here in the United States of America, almost has a life of its own. And therefore, I feel terrible for any president and vice president of the United States in this country because this is a make-it-happen country. This is a country that prides itself on an ability to bring things about. And in a sense, the whole understanding of power here, what it is, how it should be used, who should use it, who has the authority to use it, there's like this backup having to do with military might. You know, We're considered to be a superpower 
and a superpower that the world, quote, at large should not mess with. And there's an attitude here in this culture. With that attitude, with the culture, many of us citizens have ingested what, quote, strong leadership is, and we project it. So many of us, when September 11th, 2001 occurred, there was a immediate reflex, a guttural and visceral, we're going to get them, let's not let them get away with this. And yet people all over the world have been attacked, have had terrorism living in their countries. I mean, this is definitely not the first country this has happened in. This has been happening all around the world. However, I would bet you that most Americans, both Republican and Democrat, who don't necessarily want war, believe in war, or even really in their hearts believe that war works, are very hooked into fighting back, taking a stand, and expressing military might and destruction if we're attacked. And so this is like a knee-jerk reaction, and this is the thing that we have to fight or transmute on a very basic individual level because the forces to fight back and to continue it and continue it and continue it, quote, ideologically, to stop other violence in the world, it's a trap, but we're in it. It's like glue. And we're stuck in this glue. And so when you take somebody like Saddam Hussein, who has overtly tortured his own people, and other terrorists have been in other countries, Idi Amin, and other people, all of a sudden it's the United States raison d'etre to start going after every all these terrorists, which really is going to take us, is already turning the tide of history into more destruction. But my question to you is, if you were to sit with President Bush and Dick Cheney, <laughs> and it would take you and Thich Nahan to do it, <laughs> and you have to transmit something to them. You understand that these men, their whole lives have been trained from young boys about what leadership is and isn't in the context of the leadership I just described to you. What would you and Thich Tiknahan advise them what would you ask them to experiment with first on a small level? Because in your and my conversation, you have talked brilliantly about taking small little steps and seeing big ramifications and results from it. What is the small step you would ask President Bush at this time and Dick Cheney to experiment with at a leadership level? Yeah, I can tell him that United States is a great country. In fact, I, I recognize that the United States is a country where there is a lot of, of opportunity for people to have creative ideas and can set up creative new things. And it's so great. And the greatness of the United States, until now, nobody ignore about technology, about everything. But there is one thing that the United States miss. That is the strength, spiritual strength. And the great president must be the great leader, must be somebody who has a very deep spiritual strength. And in France, I think that the first time um, Monsieur François Mitterrand asked la force tranquille, it means a tranquil strength. It means uh, Miss President Bush or any president of United States need to have 
to cultivate a lot in spirituality. And spirituality, it doesn't mean that when you open your mouth, it's God bless you. But you live in the way that people see in you part of God. The president who dare to listen to the suffering voice, like I listened to that American soldier with the guns about to shoot me. I approach him kindly. I ask, what do you want to, to find? I don't understand why you, your presence is dear and, and you behave in such a way. And so when I listen like that, and then he tell me, and I have a chance to explain. So President Bush must, for me, President Bush or any president must organize a council of wise people. It doesn't need the Abishab or, or Rabbi, but those who are normal people but care for peace. It could be a social worker, it could be an unknown woman or man who works in slum area, in this area among Native American, among Afro-American, among uh, white but poor um, European-American. And, and we try to understand this committee try to listen what is the people, our people need in order to satisfy, to, to make peace, to give satisfaction. Because love, you have to learn to love yourself in order to be able to love people. So a president of the United States has to learn to love his own people, and then in the same time he tried to love the world. So his own people, there is there are Afro-American, uh, Native American, poor refugees, and many, many areas where many parts, Arab-American, and many parts of Americans who suffer because of misunderstanding. Many Arab-Americans are misunderstood. Now they are look like terrorists. And we need to listen to them and understand why, because they can be very good, very good, supporter of the regime or they can be terrorists it depends on our way of behavior if that morning I shout at the American soldier he will shoot me or if I have a gun I, I shoot quicker and then, then other friends of him will, will shoot me but I listen to him so the president, president of United States have to learn to listen to many factions of his own people will see in which way he can improve life of his own people. And then overseas, he had to send his uh, embassy representative of the United States in every country, and especially the country where there is uh, many terrorists, potential terrorists, and try to understand from the poor people how do they think about United States of America. Because, you know, nowadays, in many Arab countries, they name their, their baby just born uh, Osama. Osama is the, the first name of Bin Laden. So they, they want, they misunderstood United States a lot. So if United States listen to them and they say that, oh, United States uh, discriminate us, consider, want to discriminate our religion, to, discri uh, to, to sabotage our religion, to sabotage our, ourselves like a people. If United States can hear on this voice, and so United States will change the policy in the way that 
make these Arab people we think that no, United States are not so evil. They are so nice. They listen to our voice and they try to change their policy. In the past, their foreign policy are only for supporting dictator. But now they want to listen to the voice of the poor people in Arab country and they want to listen to the suffering of people and they want to support uh, wonderful things uh, to help us. And so they, they, you can transform these potential terrorists into friends. Like I have transformed these American soldiers into my friends. He left after consulting with their friends and they come and ask me and finally they left the village safely, kindly and respect all the property of people without touching anything, without destroying anything. And very nice. But this morning, if that morning in, in Vietnam, if I was unskillful and I do some wrong act and then I, I attract a lot of terror. And, and these American soldiers will become terrorists. Now that may and be, so- Sister Chen Con, if I may just step in here for just a moment. I do want to make a distinction with you over the air for listeners. Some of them will be thinking, look, we get that. But in this particular cultural motif, when people are cutting people's heads off over the air, that lends itself to a level of fanaticism for which dialogue is inept or bankrupt. And therefore, Americans are now trained mentally to dismiss the voice of those who operate in this fashion because they have no value for human life, even at the base level of misunderstanding and distortion of who Americans are and what America is, is this hopelessness Americans feel now that there's no way to talk to any fanatics that would dare do something like that and don't value human life the way most of us do around the world. So I agree with you, and I'm sure most people would agree with you, up to the point of saying, Are you also saying that when it comes to interacting with any people that are suffering, who feel their voices have not been listened to, and yet who are living in an extreme form of fanaticism at a religious level, be it whatever religion it is, are you saying that from where you're coming from in Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings that you see that there is a way to penetrate through the fanatical mindset and behavior and penetrate that? You know, I have experience with recent work to reconcile Palestinian and uh, Jewish Israeli in Plum Village. You know, at the beginning, when we are able to bring a number of uh, Palestinians living in occupied territory, they are living in a very heavy pressure and violence of many Israeli soldiers. And they hate the Israeli soldiers. And they said that, no way, killer a killer. And the violence is, uh, will be, uh, uh, will be uh, answered by violence. Uh, no way to excuse them, no way to forgive them, and etc. When they just arrive. And they arrive because they love Plum Village and, and they think that here they can make propaganda about their voice. But then, after many days of practice, of calming, like I, I am about to tell that to, to our listener, when you are angry, and, and I said that, 
Don't express yet. Go back to your breath. Calming. And if you, you, you sit down and you cannot calm, you go out, you walk. And when you walk, you only go back to your breath and you make two steps. Calm, calm, calm. Release tension, release tension, release tension. And sometimes when you are so angry, you can, you can run. Calm, calm, calm. Because while running, you, you, you put out your energy. And after calming for a while, and then your mind is more calm and clearer, and you find a place, and you sit down, and you look deep. And you keep a distance of what happened, and you look deep into yourself at that moment, what happened in you, and so on. And then and you were a little bit agitated, but, uh, and then you said something who caused him. And then you look deep into the other person that you are the object of your looking. And then after that, you dialogue and you try to find a solution. So this is the same for, for these um, Palestinians. At the beginning, they think that there's no way. But I said that, okay, in a few days, you have a chance to speak to them. But for now, try to, to touch God you. And so the practice is from village is when you hear the telephone ring, you go back to your breath, calming, relaxing, calming, relaxing, three times before you pick up the telephone. When there is uh, the bell sound, you go back. And they have done like that, calming, relaxing. And when they eat, they also request to come back to the food, not thinking of these uh, Israeli who are terrorists for them. For them, they call the Israeli soldiers uh, like terrorists. And I say, go back to your breath. And after one week, they feel calmer. And also the Israeli, when they saw Palestinians, they suffer a lot. Our Jewish um, Israeli are also victims of a suicide bomber. And they have relatives who are killed and they cry. And when they see Palestinians, they are frightening. They don't want to see them. But, but they practice also calming and, and, and after a few days and then they are calmer, calmer. And at the fifth day, I listened to the Palestinian would own their tragedy. And I listened to the uh, Jewish, um, Israeli own their tragedy. And I said that tomorrow, I will arrange so both of you will sit together and you tell your story without judging, without condemning. And the Palestinian, I also advise that they tell their story, how unfair their, their brother, uh, etc. have been uh, shot by the, by, by the Israeli soldier, but without judging, judging, without condemning. And so after that, for a few days, they, they understood the first time they hear the story of the other side without feeling that they are attacked. And the other side is the same. So both of them feel more tender. And then they, they start to understand that, oh, the other side is, have also God in them. They suffer. And we need to support each other. And so after that, they promised to go back to work together for a peace walk every week now in Israel. In Israel, they walk peacefully without banners, without posters, just walk. Every step is like a prayer. How come do you think it is that peace is not popular, even if it's wanted? Why isn't it popular? You know, yeah, if peace is not popular because people are contaminated by a kind of, of uh, mental food, they eat every day. You know, mental food is what, uh, according to Buddhist psychology, 
your body eat a kind of food that you you chew you eat every day but your mind have other kind of food is uh, is what you hear what you you see and uh, and then what you hear if you look at the television with a lot of war and uh, massacre and uh, and hold up and uh, and uh, like uh, in in uh, in Islam, uh, like uh, in uh, here at the Gaza um, and then everywhere is violent violent uh, assassination and Iraq and bomb and so on so your mind is full of all these violent scenery and then it's this scenery may provoke some of the hidden seat of violence in you and so you have the tendency to say oh all these uh, evil evil demon we we kill them and there is somebody who said that oh kill all these uh, terrorists you cannot kill all these terrorists because uh, the terrorist can become an angel if you know how to understand to listen to him and know his suffering and if you can undo the knot in him from a terrorist he can become an understanding man and woman and so your your people are fed with own are fed with own this uh, violent image and people are shouting and sometimes some president of united states say a very very violent speech and it's it's water the seat of violence in a number of listeners and said he's right he's right we have to fight we have to kill to the last uh, terrorist but realistically how you can kill on to the last terrorist because if you kill one there is 10 more terrorists will be born because you kill you kill one terrorist and his family his sister his brother his whole nation will become terrorists and so violence have more chance because you eat every day with your mind with your what you look at the television so the media are responsible for that i agree with you yeah i definitely yeah. agree with you <laughs> you know nice story of of uh, palestinian and jewish um uh, israeli come together practicing peace and at the end of the retreat they hug each other hand in hand every year we bring 20 of this side, 20 of the other side. The other day, it means the last, uh, last um, uh, August, we invite the CNN to come, television to come. But it's not spectacular enough. There is no 300 people massacred, so they don't come. They only come when there is massacred. But 40, 20 uh, uh, Jewish and 20 um, Jewish Israeli and 20 Palestinians work together for peace. It's so beautiful. And at the beginning, they consider each other like enemies, like terrorists. Each other consider mutually like terrorists. But finally, they see that they are brother and sister, and they work together. It's so nice, but nobody, no television come to our place. Well, not we yet, Sister even Chang <laughs> Even French television, they don't want to come. Well, it's rainmaking times here. Okay, and we'll you. be there on a television level. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Would you like to take some calls from listeners, Sister Chang Kong? Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuning in to It's Rainmaking Time. This is a special broadcast segment of September 11th, 2004. 
at www.itsrainmakingtime.com. I'm Kim Greenhouse, and I'd love it if you would call in and address Sister Chang Kong at one eight seven seven six two five three seven two four. And I'll repeat that for you: one eight seven seven six two five three seven two four. And I'll repeat it one more time. The live call-in number to its rainmaking time is one eight seven seven six two five three seven two four. Please call with any questions or comments to Sister Chang Kong. And while we're waiting for people to gather the nerve to call you, <laughs> and given the scope of work that you're doing, I think it does take a little nerve. But um, I was wondering if you would like to sing that beautiful song and get everybody relaxed before any calls come in. Okay. Would you like to? I forget. I would like to invite you to visit our our website. Please do. www.plumvillage.org Plum Village. Plum like the fruit, not plumbing. P-L-U-M village.org Okay. Very good. So, and there's also a link to plumvillage.org on the website. It's Rainmaking Time about this segment, and it will remain up there indefinitely until, I guess, we've actualized world peace. <laughs> many of us may have to come back many lifetimes to really ground it, but uh, we're here for now. And I'll repeat the number one more time, one eight seven seven six two five three seven two four. And Sister Chang Khan, would you like to sing for us a little bit? Yeah. And could get everybody... You know, in, among our practice, uh, there is a practice of deep relaxation. And deep relaxation, uh, as people try to lie down and forget everything and dwell only on their in-breath and out-breath, calming from the top of their head to the tip of their toes, and releasing tension from the top of their head to the tip of their toes, and then and try to calm their neck, their face, their brain, and releasing tension in every member of their, I mean, um, their arm, their legs, and calming their heart, calming their liver, and then I sing, and I sing. Here's a few songs I sing. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. I am blooming as a flower. So when when you sing, I am blooming as a flower, you have to refresh every cell of your face. Like every cell would become a flower. I am blooming as a flower. I am fresh as the dew. I am solid as a mountain. I am firm as the earth. I am free. In our practice, when we sing something, we have to live that. When we say that, I breathe in, you have to really breathe in. And breathe out, really dwell in the out breath. 
And when I come, I really leave all my agitation and my thinking and just calm every cell of my face, every cell of my whole body. And I'm smiling. It means uh, I leave, I let every cell of my body smiling. And by doing so, I make a relaxation of about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I, I, it happened that I can fell into sleep too. But then after a few minutes or seconds of sleep, I feel reward when I um, wake up and, and continue my work. And so during the day, I practice many times of deep relaxation like that. Just lie down and relax for five minutes. And then after that, I stand up again and I continue my work. And then, then sometimes I need to go out for a walk. And then I, I do walking meditation. And then and calm, calm, release, release, smile, smile, relax, relax. So any any wood you you choose in order to calm you, to make you relax. Okay, so another song. Yes. Cho bao chiếc đầy thế giới. I sang in Vietnamese, but but means that the, the universe is full of treasure. I would like to invite you to be in touch with this treasure. Tôi đem tăng bàn sáng nay một vòng kim cương sáng chói lòng lành suốt cả đêm ngày mỗi phút một viên ngọc quý tâm thâu đất nước Trời mây chỉ cần một thời thơ nhà là bao phép là hiện bài. Every minute that we are still alive is a treasure. Look at the dead cops. They cannot breathe, but you you still can breathe in and out, full of your lung. It's a treasure. If you are not aware, it's a loss. Your eyes can see all the forms, all the color. And you can see the blooming of the flower. It's a treasure. You can see the loveling face of your beloved one. It's a treasure. You have eyes, but you are not aware of that until a car accident happens and you lose your eyes and you retreat. But your eyes allowed you to see the face of your beloved one. That tender smile is a treasure. Your ears can hear the singing of the bird, the the singing of the wind. That is a treasure. And your beloved one is a treasure. Be aware that she's still alive beside you, your son. Don't think that your son will not die. He can die. Your daughter even young, she can die. So every moment of your life, try to pressure your daughter, try to be present for your son, try to be present for your beloved mother, your beloved father, your beloved partner, because tomorrow it could be late. Sister so Chang- that is the song I, I used to sing when people do deep relaxation with me. 
I think. I have a CD about deep relaxation too. Wonderful. If you, if you write to Parallax and you ask for deep relaxation by Sister Cheng Kong, you have that too. We will definitely order it. And Sister <laughs> Cheng Kong, thank you. We have Jim from Surprise, Arizona on the phone with a question for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, hi. Uh, Hello, Jim. I uh, listened to you about the um, terrorists that were being, uh, you know, that's hard to uh, get rid of all of them. There was this show on HBO called Death in Giza by um, James Miller, which was killed in this sequence of the filming. It was an actual photo journalist that got killed after visiting the Palestinians and the Israelis. And it showed how both sides taught their young how to hate and also kill each other. Jim, yes. can, can you repeat the question of Jim? Yeah, well, Your voice is very clear, but yes. his voice is not very clear. Basically, what Jim is saying is that there was a show on called Death in Giza by a journalist named James Miller who was killed in the filming of this show. Mm-hmm. And he was acknowledging you're talking about the fact that if you kill one terrorist that there's 10 more that mushroom and spring forth right behind that that he's aware that that's so am i correct jim yes okay and continue please okay it also showed how the palestinians and the israelis were teaching their young people how to uh, actually uh, kill and destroy property and these are children that are in the age of maybe seven, eight years old. It, it was quite eye-opening to see that this is being instilled on the children, at least what I would call the future leaders of their countries, of how to uh, hate and also how to kill, which is really a bad thing to happen. But it comes down to, uh, at the end of the program, after Mr. Uh, Miller got shot, there was silence after some bullets went, but prior to him getting shot, him and his narrator, Sarah Shaw, which she ran and got away from the bullets, she came back and said that they were yelling, peace, peace, and waving a white flag, and yet the shot still came out and killed this man. What is your question, Jim? The question is, is this part of man's composition or man's nature? to uh, just have conflict and terrorize each other constantly. And that's the question. Is this part of man's nature, what Jim is asking you, Sister Chen Kong, to terrorize each other and to kill? And is this part of man's nature and composition? That's his question. Yeah. My answer is that man is the storage of all the experience they live. And in every human being, there is God in them, but there is also evil in them. It depends on the environment of uh, that that person uh, grown up. So, Thay, Tishnathan, he always said that, you know, people love me and, and think that I am a very holy person, but in fact, I am not, I don't have a separate self. If I, I can behave in such a way, full of understanding because I'm surrounded by good teachers, good friends who work for 
peace, for understanding, and and even during the war. But I was privileged enough to have good friends who went through the war with understanding and ready to be killed, but to embrace people with understanding and love. And because of that, that he behaved in such a way. That is nature of human beings in his way, because uh, he is surrounded by good environment. But he said that don't blame to the sea pirate, sea pirate or the gangster who do many wrong things because uh, he's surrounded by, by violence and maybe he was left abandoned as a child without father and the mother don't know how to love him and then he, people beat him for his work. Uh, it means uh, he's surrounded by violence and when he come, he grow up, he can be violent. So when Jim said that, he, he described a lot of background. These people only see violence around them and so they behave in such a violent way. It's not their fault. And so I remember that one day, I, a teacher, Tishnyatan, in Washington, D.C., in a big public lecture, he said that at that moment, two sons of Saddam Hussein have been killed. And so he said that, I am sure that President Bush has the ability to love the children of Mr. Saddam Hussein like his own children, if he was surrounded by good friends who water the seed of God in him, the seed of love, of light in him. Unfortunately, around him there is only advisor who tell him that guns, 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 kill, kill, kill. We have to punish that uh, these people who dare to destroy our World Trade Center. And so his advisor make the President Bush has no separate self. He was surrounded by very bad environment and bad advisor who advised him in that direction. So I think that the importance that when you, you choose a president, you have to choose the whole team of advisor, of friends, of those who work with him in order to have a good person. So the nature of human beings, I answer directly your question, the nature of a human being is violence, but is also holy. It's holy if he has a holy environment. If violent, uh, cruel, if he has a cruel environment. That's very eloquent answer. We appreciate it very much. If there's anybody else, we have about 10 more minutes left of this segment. If any of you would like to ask Sister Chang Kong a question about Applied Buddhism, Thich Nhat Hanh, her work with Thai, you may call 1-877-625-3724. One of the things I found most powerful about spending three days with you and Thai was the level of receptivity present in both of you, the ability to transmit such ancient, holy, and wise knowledge in such a way that no matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, a male or female, straight or gay, whatever your religion is, that these practical tools can be used by anybody at any time. You know, I thought I learned how to walk till I met you too. <laughs> 
those I learned how to walk when I met the two of you for the first time. And uh, I think I learned how to eat, too. I've never eaten in silence, but um, it changed the course of uh, having a meal, being with 300 people and eating in silence. That's an incredible exercise of being in the present. And I guess I just wanted to ask you if there's anything else that you would like to share with the public in the last eight, nine minutes of this segment that's most important and dear to your heart right now. I think that, um, well, I, I believe that the small things, many, many small things, we make a big thing. So please go back and make your beloved one happy. And by, by telling them that uh, I love you, but I don't know if I understand you enough. Please tell me what unskillful thing I have done to make you suffer. I need to know in order to avoid to do, to, to make you suffer. And I want to understand your deep aspiration in order to, to better support you. And especially when the relationship is difficult, you must try right away because uh, you may open the fountain of love from him or from her. For a long time, you forget to tell him and tell her that you really care. Even deep inside, you care, but you are so shy to tell him. So learn to tell him and learn to tell her. And if you care for somebody and you have some difficulty with her or with him, try to make peace right tonight. After this uh, conversation with me, try to be in touch with them, make a phone call, and tell him that you care for him, for her, you love him, and uh, you wish him to be happy. Don't you have CDs available of talks that you've given with Thich at different workshops on reconciliation and peace? Are those yes. available for sale, and do we go to plumvillage.org for that, or where do we yeah, go? I, I, we don't sell on on um, website, but uh, but if you write to our dear Park Monastery in the United States or in Plum Village, we can sell. In the Park Monastery is... Um, that's Deer Park Monastery. Yeah, Deer, like the, the animal, Deer Park Monastery. Yes. 2499 Melru Lane. M-E-L-R-U Lane. Escondido. Escondido is a hidden mountain. And the uh, Spanish word. Escondido. California, 92026. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> place. My God. <laughs> Hard to leave. It's very difficult to leave Deer Park. I think my spirit is still there. Yes. 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 Well, it's a wonderful um, place. Uh, If you live not far from there, please come every Sunday. We have uh, teaching, sharing of practice by brother and sister, student of Tishantan like me. They give uh, the sharing in English and in Vietnamese. And if you live in uh, the East Coast, East Vermont, we have... Um, in Vermont? Water. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we have two monasteries in Vermont, one in um, Heartland Four Corner and one in um, Woodstock in Vermont. And uh, the phone number you can phone in advance in order to see whether, yeah, um, which activity. Every Sunday we have something. But it's um, 802 area code, 436 one one zero two or one one zero three 
And what if some of us would like to come to Plum Village? Then what do we do? What can sure. we expect walking into Plum Village? Yeah, Plum Village, we are open from now until until the end of the year, until the 3rd of January. Tisha Tan and me and, and 155 monastics will be here to welcome you. Because uh, usually we go to teach in many countries in Europe and United States. But because um, uh, this year we already spent three months in the United States from January to, to April. So now we, we decide to stay here in Plum Village. And um, if you take the flight to go to Paris to change another flight to go to Bordeaux. And from Bordeaux you take the little train about half hour to go to the, the station called sainte foy la Grande. But in the, our website it explains everything. But there, we will have monastic retreat. Monastic, it means that on uh, the monastic stay in one place, we will not go anywhere. And we, we practice deeply, one, um, 24 hours, um, mindfully. And then if you come in this uh, period, you listen only two Dhamma talks by, by week. But you have 24 hours to practice together with a powerful group of friends, uh, monastic. And um, we start our monastic retreat on 21st of September, and we end by 21st of December our monastic retreat. But we continue to welcome lay friends with their children to come for holidays, uh, holy season from 22nd of, uh, of December to the 3rd of January. Usually people come a lot. For, because they, they feel like they come home. Um, many, many people who suffer from uh, dislocated family, they have been abused by father or etc., sexually or um, brutalized by, by their family, and then they heal. They heal already and they reconcile already, but they still consider Plum Village like their home. So every Christmas we have a lot of people to come and we have a chance to look at the baby Jesus as a refugees and how we be try to be in touch with many other uh, potential baby Jesus um, <laughs> um, who are now in many refugee camps and who suffer. And also we have very spiritual Christmas. And then we also welcome a new year where everybody are requested to to make reconciliation with their family member right before the new year. <laughs> Sister Chang Kong, I want to thank you for being with its rainmaking time, for being the great teacher that you are. I want to start by telling you that I love you. Thank you so and, much. And uh, we can feel your love on this broadcast, and we'll continue to broadcast this. I want to thank Bruce Barker who's the engineer and also a producer here of It's Rainmaking Time. I want to thank Ty for also giving the blessing for this segment to happen and let you know that you are the rainmaking. God bless you, Sister Chang Kong, and thank you again. Thank you, dear readers, <laughs> dear listener. If you like uh, to listen again, uh, some of the sharing, you can call Kim. Yes, and, and you can ask, and in the future, maybe in half a year, I have a chance to speak to you again. Yeah, well, I'm, I will be calling you shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank okay. you for listening to It's Rainmaking Time. We'll talk to you next week.